Today, because of the season that we're in, being so close to Thanksgiving, I thought it would be fun to talk about this word. You ready? Ingratitude. <laughs> ingratitude. There's very few things that sting like ingratitude, feeling unappreciated. And the reason it stings is often because it's the opposite of what we think we expect or what we deserve. So you know how this goes. You put yourself out there for somebody, you uh, sacrifice for them, you raise them, you hire them, and you marry this person, maybe you tie your life to them for better, for, rit, uh, for, better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, uh, deciding you know, who gets to control the remote. Are we going to watch another regular season football game or watch someone play Nintendo Switch? I don't know. Uh, understandably, you expect something to come back to you and so when something doesn't come back to you, that gratefulness, uh, that ingratitude, it hurts, it stings. And I have found that ingratitude hurts because of the words that are said, but oftentimes it's the words that are unsaid. And it can even be anxious attitudes or behaviors that a person exudes that can hurt our feelings. So either way, if we've ever been on the receiving end of ingratitude, uh, here's the interesting thing about gratitude, and you can follow along in your handout. Ingratitude, ingratitude, the recipient is always aware. The initiator is rarely aware. And this is one of the mysteries of relationships. So you're in a relationship of any kind. You have a roommate, you have a friend, you have a spouse, you have a marriage, uh, which is kind of the same thing. Uh, you're dating someone and everything seems good, all fine and dandy. And then all of a sudden, somebody, it feels like out of the middle of nowhere, somebody says, you know, I just feel like you don't appreciate me. Now, let me ask you a personal question. Have you ever been accused of being ungrateful? Well, nobody's going to raise their hand to that. Um, so let me ask it this way. How many of you have ever been 13 years old? And here's the interesting thing. If somebody ever accuses you of being ungrateful, our first response is to generally feel like, be like, no, I'm grateful. Of course I'm grateful. I feel grateful towards you. Don't you remember three Thanksgivings ago when I said thank you? You don't remember that? You got to remember these things. I'm grateful. I told you like three years ago. And the problem is, is that we may feel grateful, but we have not expressed those feelings. And we might feel a certain way, but we haven't expressed it. And this becomes a relational disconnect. And here's why this is important for everybody ever, for all of time, who has ever been a human and been in any relationship whatsoever. You can follow along in the handout. Gratitude and ingratitude are relationally determinative. Determinative. Gratitude and ingratitude are relationally determinative. They drive the direction and the health of all our relationships. They determine how much you are willing to entrust yourself to somebody else and how much they are willing to entrust themselves to you. It determines if he's willing to entrust himself to you or if she's willing to entrust herself to you. And because there's such a disconnect, when we think things might be good when they're not, this is a really, really big deal. 
Now, we're going to be taking a look at this idea of gratitude, and we're going to be looking at a story in the life of Jesus that happens in the book of Luke, which is one of the four Gospels that was written about Jesus. And uh, Luke wrote this in a particular way where he filled in all the blanks that the other writers about Jesus didn't do. Like, he added extra details. He went above and beyond to investigate specific details that aren't found in any of the other Gospels. And so Luke sets out to tell this chronological story of Jesus, and in this story, he takes us right into the heart of this issue of gratitude and ingratitude. So if you want to, you can follow along. We're going to read in Luke 17, verse 11, and it says this. We're just going to read verse 11. It says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Okay, here's what you need to know. Pause. Here's what you need to know. Samaria was a region that was near Israel, and the people who lived there were called Samaritans. And Samaritans kept to themselves because they had been rejected by the Jewish people. And the, the Jews and Samaritans, they just didn't get along because Jews believed that they didn't follow the right rules when it came to following God. They believed different things about God. And so they were neighbors, but they were enemies, right? Do you get it? They're neighbors, but they're enemies. And so Jesus, for some reason, is on the border of Israel and Samaria, these two regions that just don't get along. And he's headed towards Jerusalem, which is the capital city in Israel. And here's what he says in verse 12. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. Now, leprosy, let's talk about this. I recently heard a statistic that in the last 20 years, 16 million people have been cured from leprosy. That's a really good thing. But back in this day and age, people thought that there was no cure for leprosy. And people thought it was highly contagious. And it's a very terrible disease if you don't know what it is. It damages nerves and skin and fingers and toes and all these things, and you can kind of lose them over time. You can hurt your extremities. And the general society in this time, they were so afraid of leprosy. They were so afraid of lepers that they made folks with leprosy live by themselves. They couldn't be associated with the greater society. You weren't allowed to worship. You weren't allowed to go to the market. You couldn't hang out with your family. You were a religious outcast because people were superstitious and they believed that God gave you this disease. And so now a part of that means you can't be with anyone. And so you could actually, with this disease, is it doesn't happen, it doesn't kill you right away. You could live a very long time and you could be very lonely. And so the result is, is that these lepers, these people with leprosy, they would create their own little colonies, their own little villages, their own little society, so then they just kind of hung out with each other and they just tried to survive. And here's what the text says. It says, they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, generally in a situation like this, Jesus would respond. He would go over and he would go over to the sick person. He would lay physical hands on them and they would get healed. He did this dozens and dozens of times. But instead, Jesus does something different here. Jesus yells to them. Jesus yells to them and he says, when he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priests. And the lepers, they're far away because they're not allowed to be near anyone. They, uh, they're like, go show yourself to the priest? Did he say something about a feast? I think he said something about a beast. I can't quite hear him. He says, no, go show yourself to the priest. Well, what's going on here? Well, there's three things. The first thing is this. In the Old Testament, it says that when you have a disease that caused you to be an outcast, once that disease went away, once the person was healed, they had to go to a priest in a town 
and show themselves to the priest. And the priest would look them over, do an examination, and the priest would give them a clean bill of health and saying, okay, this person is now healed. They can come back into society. And that's what that meant. You had to go show yourself to the priest. Second thing going on here is we don't know where the nearest priest was. We know that they're kind of like in the middle of nowhere. We don't know how long the journey it would take them to get to the next place to find a priest. And you get this impression, sort of like, guys, start walking. Start heading towards the nearest priest. And uh, you, you can imagine being a priest. These 10 guys show up, and he's like, well, what happened here? And they go, well, a guy yelled at us, and we yelled back, and then he yelled, and then here we are. Are we okay? Are we good to go? And the third thing is for you to commit to start walking in that one direction. For you to do to believe that something is going to happen on the way to see a priest. That is a big expression of your confidence, or what Jesus' followers call faith. This is a big expression. This is a big deal. They're thinking, okay, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to go walk far, and I'm going to put myself out there with this religious leader so something better happens. And so to do what Jesus is asking them to do is an extraordinary expression of faith. You're demonstrating your faith. We don't know how long it was of a trip to go see that priest. We don't know if it was hours. We don't know if it was days. But the story says, look with me in verse 14. It says, as they went, they were cleansed. We don't know if it was an hour. We don't know if it was six hours. We don't know if it was an overnight trip to see the priest. But at some point along the way, these men who had been diagnosed with leprosy, that were outcasts in their own society, at some point they realized that they were healed. Or they realized that they were being healed along the way. But any way you look at it, they were healed. And this is where our story intersects with our topic today. In verse 15, it says this, One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. So everybody gets healed. They go show themselves to the priests, and then everyone goes running off in different directions because they have their clean bill of health. They go back into their society. They go back and tell their family, guess what? Look what happened. I'm healed. Isn't this amazing? Praise God. So they probably start take off. They probably take off running because now they're allowed back into society. But one of them, one of them, when he realized that he had been healed, he turns around and he goes back to thank Jesus. And this is what he says. And look in verse 15 and 16. It says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Essentially, what he did brings us to our topic today. It brings us to an application in our topic today. Because what we see is that he went back and thanked the one who enabled him to move forward with his life. Every single one of us, no matter how talented, no matter how hard you've worked, no matter what you've accomplished, no matter how ambitious or disciplined you are, all of us can look in the rearview mirror and we can see people that have helped us to get to where we are today. All of us have people behind us that have made it possible so that we can do what we do. And, we have, and they've made that possible for us. And this guy understood that Jesus 
had made it possible and enabled him to move forward with his life. So this is what the Samaritan did. And this is what we get to, uh, the tension between gratitude and ingratitude. Look at what Jesus says in verse 17. He says, Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Uh Uh-oh. I think he asked it facetiously. Uh, I I sent ten of them to the priest. Did the miracle not work? Did I not get it right? Where are the other nine? Did I finally run out of healing? Jesus Christ, did he run out of healing? Did I finally run out of power? And you look at it, he says, Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? And Jesus is a genius here because he's showing his audience that there's something missing. There's something wrong with this picture. There's something incomplete. There's something open-ended. There's something that is unfinished. Do you know this experience when you know that something has been done for you, but there's still something unfinished? Do you know what that feels like? You know that there's something that's incomplete. Okay, Thanksgiving this week, I love it because just a month ago, um, we were celebrating Halloween. Um, does anyone remember celebrating Halloween? If you don't, wow, that's wild. Um, but like, the <laughs> enough said. So like uh, Halloween. And some of us have children, and some of us want children, and this is just a preview for those of you who do eventually want children. Um, when we went trick-or-treating with Marin, uh, all three of us dressed up as hot dogs. We were the belle of the ball. It was awesome. Like, people were taking pictures of us. I'm like, what happened? Do they think we're famous? They're like, no, you're dressed up as hot dogs. Okay, so we're all dressed up as hot dogs. We're north of Montana in the fancy full candy bar uh, neighborhood. Uh, and uh, and the, the people don't even come out. They send their people. They have people to hand out the stuff. It's one of those neighborhoods. We're like, thank you. Um, and it's like a madhouse, and you run, run into some famous people. We ran into a famous person. This is the best run-in of all the years that have done it. Um, uh, you guys ever remember the movie made by Disney called Cool Runnings? <laughs> I ran into a Cool Runnings guy. And I was like, oh, I know that. I mean, that's a deep track. I don't want to run into Tom Cruise. I... <laughs> I know some of you do. I don't know what that means. But like I ran it like it was the you remember the rich guy? The rich the rich guy that had the dad that didn't want him to buy everyone has seen this movie. I know your age group. I can see your faces. You're not that old and you're not that young. Everyone has seen cool runs. We that guy walked by, he's like, Hey, you guys look like really cool hot dogs. I'm like, oh my God. I fawned over and then, then my because we also carry a speaker with us everywhere and we're dancing with the hot dog outfits and 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 he I don't think he hit on you because he was with someone. Okay, it should be just, you know, all right, we'll, we'll cut this part out in editing. Yeah. Okay, and action. Yeah, so he said, hey, you got good moves, and we were, like, blown away. So we're out there. We're, we're going house to house, um, and um, Mar- uh, Mary and our daughter goes up to the house, and she gets a piece of candy and starts running off, and every parent knows they like it's like an instant like it's an instant issue like something needs to be addressed there because you know that there's something wrong you know that there's an expression that's missing and what does every parent yell at their child as they run away from the candy what do they yell oh yeah there we go don't forget to say thank you or you go what do you say and then they go oh thank you and then they hit the road every adult knows Every adult knows there is a tension before you unwrap that piece of candy. There is a tension before you go to the next house. There's something that has been left undone. And before you can do anything else, if there's not an expression of gratitude before something, uh, before you go do, do something else, that there's something wrong with that and there's something that's missing. What are you supposed to say? Thank you. And every time a kid 
Every time a kid misses this, we almost cringe. But when, we, when it comes to thinking about the people in our own lives, the people we are grateful for, when it comes to us as adults, it's easy for us to just keep moving forward. We think about the people who have helped us to go further and faster, and we realize it, and we realize what they've done for us, and we also realize that there's something missing, there's something that is unfinished unless we show our gratitude. And we can almost panic when a child doesn't say it regarding a piece of candy, but as adults, it's just easy to keep moving forward. And so, in, uh, what, here's what Jesus says. Uh, he goes, look at verse 17 to 19. He says, Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. If you were to read this story in isolation, if you were to read it by yourself, your immediate reaction would be the same as a parent who watches a kid not say thank you for a piece of candy. You would say, how ungrateful. These guys just got their lives handed back to them. They were dead and they were isolated. It was a death sentence and they can't even go back and give as much as, as a thank you. Now, Let's be empathetic. If you were to track down the other nine, you're like to grab them by the shirt, like, hey, come here, I need to talk to you. You're going to end up in the Bible unless you fix this. <laughs> and not on the good end. Come on, hold still. <laughs> you, look, you look good? You look healed? Okay. So um, if you were to grab them and you were to ask them, are you grateful that you've been healed? They would probably, they would probably be super excited. And they would say, yes, Absolutely. Our hearts and our minds are filled with gratitude. We are so thankful. This is wonderful. Big shout out to the man upstairs. Love it. But here's what we can conclude by this. The other nine felt it, but they didn't express it. You understand? The other nine felt it, but they didn't express it. Is that a big deal? Well, Jesus seems to think so. Where are the other nine? We're not ten healed? Something's wrong with that. The bird is great. Yeah, I just heard the bird is grateful. Yeah, yeah. There's something wrong. Wait. Lady, thankful. Okay. So as we head into this Thanksgiving season, this is a big deal. There's something that is, oh, my God. <laughs> I know. I'm just so grateful. He's, he's, Watch me start talking again. Ready? <laughs> <We'll> st- <laughs> Can you believe that? All right. Now, as we head into this thing, I'm going to get a BB gun, I swear. <laughs> That's not gratitude. Maybe you'd be gratitude because I'd finish. You'd be grateful. Okay. Every single one of our relationships right now, every single relationship I'm in right now, This principle that I just discussed is playing itself out to the positive or the negative in my life and in your life. And it's this. And if you're keeping notes, unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. Unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. The gratitude that you feel in your heart is also felt by the other people, but if it is unexpressed, The other person experiences your unexpressed gratitude as ingratitude. And it's very likely 
that the gratitude you feel is expressed to the other person is the exact opposite of what you expect it to or what you intend it to do. It's very possible it is felt as the opposite of what you feel. But it goes even deeper than that. Unexpressed gratitude, next fill in the blank, unexpressed gratitude is experienced as rejection. Here's how it works. Here's what unexpressed gratitude communicates. I deserve that. She's my mom. She's supposed to do that. I pay him to do that. That's his job. He should be doing that. It's your job to support our family. And over time, this is the last fill in the blank here in this section, unexpressed gratitude has the same effect as rejection. And here's what I know about all of you because it's the same thing that I know about me. Our hearts gravitate towards acceptance and our hearts are repelled by rejection. When you were growing up, this is why your parents didn't like some of your friends in high school. And they could list all the reasons why your friends in high school were not the right fit for you. I don't like your friends. I don't want you to be around them. But at the end of the day, you go, hey, they're my friends. Sorry, guys. They're my friends. Because our hearts are drawn to acceptance and our hearts are repelled by rejection. Ingratitude is a subtle, subtle form of rejection, which means you can ingratitude someone right out of the house. You can ingratitude yourself right out of somebody's heart. You can ingratitude a kid out of your home, and you can ingratitude the person you love the most right out of your life. Ingratitude is a subtle form of rejection. It's determinative, and over time, it has the full range of rejection. And this is why we have to do something about it. This is why it's not just enough to feel it. This is why we have to express it. In the critical relationships of our life, it's not enough just to think about it. Regardless of our personality, whether you're very expressive or not so expressive, because over time, ingratitude communicates rejection. And you've got to figure out how to, and i got to figure out how to get what's in our hearts and in our minds into the hearts and the minds of the people we appreciate the most. We have to do this. But it's even more than that. If we actually can take this step, we can take this one step deeper. And if this bothers you, what I'm about to say bothers you, I think it's important for you to pay attention to why it bothers you, why this might bother you. And in the handout, unexpressed gratitude may indicate an inflated view of self. It's in your heart, but you say, hey, I'm not going to say anything. I don't need to say anything. They work for me. This is what they're supposed to do. She knows how I feel. I don't really need to say anything. He knows how I feel. I don't want to bother. It'll just be a little awkward. She still remembers the time I thanked her three years ago. In other words, if it's hard for you to say thank you, if it's hard for you to sit with somebody, sit down with somebody and say, I really, really appreciate you, you need to ask yourself why. Because you're smart enough to know that you didn't get to where you are on your own. You're smart enough to know that the people in your life, the people in the story of your life have helped you along the way. And if there's something in you that where it's so difficult to say thank you, to express gratitude, that's something we need to pay attention to you. In the wake of your progress are people that have given 
time and energy and sacrificed for you. There are dozens and dozens of people who have facilitated your success. There is a sense that there is a debt of gratitude owed to people in your life. And that unexpressed gratitude is a debt that is yet to be paid. And so logically we know this, and you're following along, expressed gratitude actually closes the loop. Expressed gratitude closes and finishes the loop or the circle. Anytime somebody has ever done something for you, there's something incomplete until they receive something from you. It's incomplete unless they are receiving something from you. And think about it this way. This is the bottom line. Gratitude, it's not enough to feel it. If you were to go talk to those guys on their way to see uh, a priest on Jesus' way up to Jerusalem, if you were to say, are you grateful? Oh, yes, we are grateful. Our hearts and our minds, we are so grateful. It wasn't enough. You've got to express it, which leads us to this. Gratitude. It's not enough to feel it. You've got to express it. And we're always not going to express it the same way. I know some of us are more uh, able to express how we feel, but this is important, especially for the closest relationships in your life. This is important. Gratitude is determinative. It's either interpreted as acceptance or rejection. So let me ask you a personal question. Have you developed the personal habit of expressing gratitude? Have you actually found a way to do it? Have you dealt with the pride that can keep you from expressing the things that you feel inside but have not yet communicated? Are you in the habit of expressing gratitude? Because unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. Or to ask it in the question of the story of Jesus, are you going to be the one or are you going to be the nine? Are you going to be the one, the one who came back and said thank you, or are you going to be one of the nine that does not express it? Will you be willing to temporarily stop your progress to recognize those who have helped you along the way? Now, the problem is, some of you didn't come here alone. And you're sitting next to someone and you're saying, um, you know, Chris, I'm so glad you talked about this today. <laughs> and if you're sitting there, and if I was in your shoes, uh, um, I'm just, I, I just got to tell you, all the people that did, I know who came here with somebody, and I can see them just, they're glaring at me right now. They're, what's he going to say? But, like, if I was in your shoes, I would be saying, you know what? He's so right. <laughs> I'm so grateful for this person I'm here with today. But if I express gratitude tomorrow, if I just, like, say thank you tomorrow, they'll think that the only reason I'm doing it is because of this sermon. So I'm going to wait a couple weeks. That is pride. <laughs> that is pride, and I get it. None of us want some guy in a, in a sweater on a hot day to tell you what to do. I completely get that, but let me, tell you, let me tell you about the flip side, about how this works. The person you need to express gratitude to, especially if they are listening to me right now, which they are for some of you, if you don't, it's going to sting even more. They're going to feel even more unappreciated. So you do it. And you do it now. And you can even reference me. You can, like, you're walking back to the car, and you're like, well, you know, Chris said, I don't know, you know. And he's like, you know, the sermon was talking about, uh, you know, Chris was talking, and, you know, so thank you. I just want to say thank you. Just own it. They will appreciate it. And they know you. 
They know the last time you express gratitude, no one is just going to think all of a sudden, wow, this guy just, this girl just, whatever it is, this person just really came up with a great idea all of a sudden. They're not going to think that because they're here with you and they know you, okay? So just do it now. Do it today. All right? Does that make sense? Do I have some sort of, all right, cool, all the single people and all the married people. Okay, cool, good. So I have a few ideas I think that can help you think about um, uh, how, how to be more grateful in your life and how to express gratitude. Here's a few ideas. And first, uh, there's two categories. The first is this. Here's a few ideas about how you can express gratitude to the people in your life. If you can't figure out who is on that list, start with this list. Maybe jot down some of these. Who do you take for granted? Who has facilitated your uh, forward motion in your life? Another question is, who do you owe a debt of gratitude to? Who do you need, another question would be, who do you need to close the loop with? Like something has been done, you need to close that loop. Who are you grateful for in your heart, but you have yet to express it with your actual words or actions? Who needs to see it in your behavior? Who has most greatly facilitated your progress? And when you, like for instance, when you tell the story of your success, uh, you know, there's people in your past that you, maybe you've never really gone back and thanked them for it. Don't you want to be the one and not the nine? I know, I know you do, and I do too, and we could, because we were built to be grateful. And so normally I don't give out homework because it's Thanksgiving, uh, but here's your homework assignment. Uh, you know, no guilt. I'm not the boss of you. This is just a challenge. Sometime between now and Thanksgiving... I know you're very busy. Here's what I'm thinking. Write three notes. Write three notes, uh, and there's something about a written note that's just so helpful for somebody that it's, such, it's even more powerful than a verbal thank you. And do that. Would you be willing to reach out to that person or those people or write a note or express some gratitude. And the more detail you do it in, these three notes, the more detail you put in these notes, the more detail you can include, the more specific you can be, the more powerful it will be. Talk about when and where and how and maybe even specific instances where they stepped in and they helped you. This is important homework. Consider doing it. The second way we can express our gratitude is to our Heavenly Father. So if that's how we're doing it uh, laterally, how do we do this vertically? Uh, I want How do we express our gratitude to our Heavenly Father? And I need to ask the question, are you taking your relationship with Jesus for granted? Is there something in your relationship with God that you're taking for granted? And if you're here and you're visiting, or if this is, you're just, you've been here, you've been coming a long time, you're not sure what you believe about God, you can sit this question out. This is for folks that have distinctly chosen to follow Jesus. And as a Christian, as people who've decided to follow Jesus, we believe that Jesus paid the ultimate price. He laid down his life in sacrifice for us. We believe that Jesus has done everything necessary for us to be in right relationship with God and that he's pouring out his love on the world. Think about that for a minute. How do you personally need to close the loop with your relationship with God? Are you grateful in your heart, but have you not expressed it with your actions? How might you express gratitude to God with your behavior? And that means how are you expressing gratitude to God with your time and with your talent? How are you, if you are adequately expressing gratitude to God with your money and with your finances? And when we do this, 
when we express our gratitude to others and when we express our gratitude to God, we are participating and determining to have healthier relationships, stronger relationships, growing relationships, and expressing your gratitude to God with your actions, with your time and your talent, your treasure and your money, everything will certainly lead to a healthier relationship with God. Like I said, we will have healthier friendships, We'll have healthier marriages. There will be less suspicion between trust and relationships. And we can close the loop with maybe some of our children and some of our extended family over this next week. I have hope for you that the traditional Thanksgiving issues might not be issues for you if you close the loop. And because unexpressed gratitude is felt and experienced as ingratitude, so it's not enough to feel it. We have to express it. Will you do that? Can we agree to do that? Let's express gratitude. And right now, why don't we all stand and let's express gratitude to God one more time and worship together. Why don't you stand with me?